When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking with Duncan, who came to us all the way from Australia. He didn't actually come to us. <laughs> Via the magic of the internet. Oh, okay. And Duncan starts off with this story about this thing his mom sees, which his mom called a ghost. Was it actually Nick Cave? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe when he was young, he looked like a gray alien. It's possible. Yeah. What she described, though, sounds like a gray alien, which is really interesting. And it, you know, Duncan says it like, kind of may influence some of these other things he talks about. He talks about living in this haunted house with a bunch of other young people and all this crazy stuff that happened. He's missing time incident, some sleep paralysis, and more. After my talk with Duncan, we are going to read some articles. Duncan mentioned seeing one of these blacker-than-black figures, mm-hmm. ghosts maybe. And I thought, well, maybe they've talked about this in the past, and maybe I can dig up some newspaper articles describing this. I couldn't find any. I didn't have a ton of time to look. It's been a pretty busy week as far as editing and stuff. But I did find some articles on ghosts in black, which we often hear ghosts in white and so forth. So we'll be reading those after Duncan. We'll get to Duncan soon. We have a big thank you. I want to thank Kristen Marie for sending us a wonderful box of chocolate and other candies. I probably shouldn't admit how much candy we have eaten in the last 24 hours. It's not been me. <laughs> no, but the rest of us have I gave up sweets for Lent, so that's... But Torn through it, so... The family has is, is been very excited about that, and we do have a, a vegan in the family. And it was very... Was kind right. enough to include vegan options. Made the whole family happy. And sent other gifts as well. Yeah. A, a Bigfoot bandana and... Pins and stickers. fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, so thank you so much. It was a wonderful, wonderful box, and the, the whole family enjoyed it. So. And the sweet notes that accompany it. I was like a handwritten note, so... Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get to my talk with Duncan... I'm talking with Duncan tonight, who's 
calling in all the way from Australia. How you doing, Duncan? Yeah, really good. Thanks, man. How you going? Awesome. I'm excited to get some stories. I really like getting the international stories when we can get them. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, that's no problem at all, man. I'm really, really pleased to be here. As comfortable as you are, you can give locations and dates when these things happen. Yeah. Timeline's a little sketchy on a lot of things from my early life anyway. Yeah. So probably first thing I really remember of this kind, it's more stuff that like my, my mum told me about houses that we lived in when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So they're not my memories. They're, they're uh, memories of memories or of stories that I've been told about places that we lived before I was old enough to remember things. That was just a lot of, you know, in, in my case, sort of sleep paralysis, night terrors, sleepwalking, that kind of stuff as a little kid. Yeah, that probably my first real memory of something strange. And it, it sounds ridiculous and it could well be just a false memory or whatever, but was just uh, kind of a, a, a fireplace that was in, in, our, in my parents' bedroom when I was a very small child. And I, I just was obsessed with it. I'd stare at it like that. I could feel like there was something staring back at me out of it. And uh, very often it was like a, it was like the fire, there was, there was no fire in there. The the chimney was blocked off, but I could see a fire in there and it was watching me. And it sounds ridiculous, but as a child, you know, you get this fear of something. Mm -hmm. But in this house, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of poltergeist sort of stuff, you know, books flying out of bookcases and, and things moving around. But as I say, this is all, this is all what I was very young before I really have any solid memories. Probably... The next thing that would have would have been was when we lived, uh, we'd moved back from Victoria, which is in the goldfields in one of the eastern states, to South Australia, where we live now, where I, well, I, I live now. And yeah, there was a there was a house we lived in that was just there's something really really off about it. People had a lot of accidents there, a lot of just a lot of times, a lot of bad memories of that place. But that was one again that was not something I saw, but was something my mum saw that had always uh, that she told me about. And the way she described it was as a ghost that it was a short, very pale skin, no legs, just sort of disappeared into, she could only see its upper body, but it was quite short, mm-hmm. oversized head and large black eyes hmm. and a really sick smile on its face when it was looking at her. And when she told me about this at the time, I just, as a young person, she's told me this story. I'm like, yeah, sounds like a ghost, right? But I guess in retrospect, I'm thinking on that. It's, <laughs> it could be a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the night that this happened, that she saw it as a full apparition, the house was full of people. There was like three other adults in the house and not one of them could wake up. My mum was screaming her head off. She's like shaking her sister who was next to her and was staying with us at the time, trying to shake her awake. And she just flopping around, you know, like completely the whole house was out to it except my mum. Wow. And this thing then just smiled at her and just drifted off down the corridor and disappeared. And she got up and ran down to our rooms to check us kids. Yeah, and we moved out of that house pretty soon, pretty soon after that. As you can yeah. Wow. The going back to sleep thing or not being able to wake people up, that is, to me, one of the most disturbing aspects of all of this. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've had a few other things where, where there's been things that have happened and you just go back to sleep and you think that that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. I, I should have been wired, you know, and, and awake, but you just roll over and go back to sleep. It's one of those things, I guess. But yeah, so th- those are things that I, I didn't witness myself, but that are things that happened when I was around as a small child. So yeah, uh, I guess there's probably a longer stretch where I don't really remember much happening after that, up until probably my grandfather died when I was about 15. 
And we had his ashes in a box that was up in a cupboard next to my little brother's room. And uh, my dad, my dad's a great guy, but he's got a really bad memory and he flaked on the, the time for the memorial service and didn't turn up. So my grandpa's ashes are in the cupboard. All these people turned up for his memorial and my dad didn't turn up <laughs> with the ashes, which stayed in our cupboard. And it was around that time, and I don't know exactly when this was, but I, I guess if I was 15, what am I now, 45? So, yeah, 30 years ago. Yeah, our dog, little fluffy little you know house dog kind of thing, would uh, go down to that end of the house and just stand there and just start shaking and like have like an epileptic fit. She'd fall on the ground and just lie there. But I only ever saw her have those fits near where this cupboard, like next, next to the, the cupboard in my little brother's room mm. where the ashes were. And when my dad got rid of them, yeah, that was the end of that. We, we had no more, no more epileptic dogs. So, huh. yeah, it's, uh, that, was, that was something pretty weird. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, I kind of got the vibe <laughs> that uh, he was pretty pissed off, my grandpa, mm. that he'd been disrespected in that way, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, wow. That's what I always thought, because it's yeah, like his ashes yeah. are right there. And it's like we, we missed the memorial thing. Well, more to the point, my dad was blaming him. But, uh, yeah, and it was, it was only during that period. And then after we buried the ashes, there was no more, no more issues with the dog. So, yeah, seemed kind of weird. But, yeah, so, look, it was after that I moved out of home pretty young, um, like maybe 16, into a sort of a share house squat kind of an arrangement with some friends. There was a lot of strange things happened in that place. Like everybody who lived there had a lot of strange things happen to them. Probably the most obvious for me was the, the smell and the temperature changes that would happen sometimes. And they were very rapid. You'd be sitting there and all of a sudden you just feel cold and there's smell like a mixture of a mold and something dead and as well, to be honest. Uh, it's a, one of the foulest smells and it would just come out of nowhere with this cold. Then it'd just go and you'd, you'd be like, everything's back to normal. But yeah. So, I mean, again, that was, that was uh, interesting, but uh, combined with the other things that happened in that house, it was, it made me pretty sure there was, again, something pretty, pretty off about the place. Lights switching on and off when you would go into the, the bathroom in the middle of the night, you'd sit down on the, the toilet and lights would turn off. Lights would turn off just as you sat down, pitch black in the room. You'd get up to turn them back on, the, the lights would come back on their own that kind of messing with you kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd occasionally see, you know, out of the corner of your eyes, shadows on the walls that shouldn't have been there. That was a pretty weird place to live. And probably the strangest thing that happened to me there was doing dishes. And behind you is uh, the oven. So you can see there's a glass on the front of the oven. And in front of you is the back, the window out into the backyard. And at night, you'd sometimes you'd just see somebody walk behind you between the glass reflected in the, the window and the stove behind you, mm-hmm. you'd see movement. You'd turn around, look over both shoulders. There's nobody there. That happened so often that it was, it was almost like a, a running joke in the house, you know, like, so who saw what today, you know? Like, it was, uh, it was a very, very creepy place. I lived there for about, I don't know, two, three months, and then I moved out because it was just too unpleasant, mm-hmm. uh, really, really nasty vibe. So your roommates were experiencing stuff too there? Oh, yeah, yeah. One of my friends, and I mean, I didn't witness this myself, but he, he claims one night he was hearing this sort of tapping on his door, scratching noises on his door. He went and opened the door. There's nobody home. Closed the door immediately, started hearing tapping on it again. So uh, he pushed his cupboard up against the door, climbed off out the window and took off down the road. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was, uh, as I say, didn't see that myself, but 
there was a lot of people, a lot of people who lived there, everybody who lived there had something strange happen to them. Hmm. Again, this would be, I guess, yeah, mid-90s, uh, 95 maybe. That place was pretty interesting. Some, some other interesting things that have happened, and it, and it kind of uh, comes back to the story my mum had, had said about the, the ghost she saw, that in retrospect and having, you know, I'm listening, listening to shows like yours and Where Did the Road Go and seeing that there does seem to be some crossover with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. I, I was looking at everything that happened in my life as separate right. phenomenon. Right. Yeah. That yeah. just oh, I saw a ghost. I saw some lights in the sky. I, whatever it might be. But in retrospect, and having sat down, I guess trying to do a bit of a timeline in preparation to talk to you, there, there's some stuff that jumped out at me anyway. So probably late teens, uh, I was hanging around with some people who were doing some experimenting with things like remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think was the term, you know, um, and what's the thing where you put the, like a red light on your eyes, dark, dark with red light. So you can, uh, so Gansfeld something. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not super familiar with it, but yeah, I have heard the name, but I'm, I'm not familiar with the process. It wasn't really my thing either. I was sort of hanging around with some guys who were into it and, and I had a go at it, at the remote viewing kind of stuff and, and actually had some interesting experiences with that. Nothing that you couldn't put down to a bit of luck and a bit of chance or coincidence, but it was interesting time. And I was, I was, we were doing some experience with that and, you know, the, the cards with the different uh, symbols on the back yeah. where you try to guess the card and things like that. Yeah. That was sort of happening around the time. We also decided it would be a good idea to go and try to do some ghost hunting, which was a really stupid idea. Uh, <laughs> and uh, go and go and sort of try to go, go to old ruins and places that were reputedly haunted and poke around and get into trouble basically. There's a stretch, probably the majority of the strange things that happened to me are sort of mid-teens to early 20s and over a, a, a really a fairly short period, there was a lot of very strange stuff. Um, as I say, when I was 15, 16, there was the haunted house, if you want to call it that, that I lived with, the, with in the share house. And then after that, yeah, do, doing these sort of, you know, the share house, doing uh, experiments with remote viewing and trying to, trying to muck around with that sort of size stuff, which, as I say, there was some interesting things happened, but was around that time I had a, an interesting kind of, a, I guess, a light phenomenon or UFO kind of thing. I don't know what the term is, but, um, yeah, that was just sitting out on a balcony and looking out towards the hills. Yeah, just a, a line of, I guess, orange lights. They look very similar to the sodium vapor kind of lamps that you see on, on road lights, mm-hmm. but they were way up above the hill line uh, in a straight line, just moving along pretty pretty fast in a row along the, the top of the hills, which are probably, I don't know, three or four miles away, the hills, I guess. Mm-hmm. They just sort of slowed down and then just kind of disappeared. Not not disappeared in a, in a puff, but like just like they accelerated and were just gone. Mm. I asked one of my friends who was there and my brother, Did you saw that, right? And they're like, yeah. But they didn't really seem that perplexed by it. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, yeah, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you think that's strange? And then they were like, yeah, I guess. But it, it didn't seem to, to really impact them particularly. So I mentioned we did some ghost hunting or whatever you want to call it, paranormal investigation type stuff. Um, and that was, again, around this same sort of a time when uh, we, were, we were doing the experiments with remote viewing and a lot of other stuff like that. But, yeah, we, we had probably two that were the most that, that really stick in my mind. 
one of them was up at a, a place called Marble Hill Ruin, which uh, was a an old manor house for some wealthy sort of early settlers, really impressive kind of mansion with a tower and stuff like that. Um, and it had been burned down, I don't know, like 100 years ago in a huge big bushfire that went through. So the place had been ruined for a long time and they'd uh, been going through a process over probably decades of, of fixing the house, renovating the tower, fixing the whole thing up and turning it into a, a tourist attraction. Um, at the time, they'd only rebuilt the main, like the, I guess, the the main home, but they hadn't rebuilt another section which had a tower on it. That was all still in ruins, except, well, it was par- partially in ruins anyway and partially rebuilt. So, yeah, we, we went up there one night, uh, well, late afternoon, and we're, we're wandering around up there, and the whole place had a weird vibe, but nothing particularly let that at us. But then uh, as it started getting closer towards the sun going down and we were thinking we probably need to think about moving off reasonably soon, we were walking past the main building and there was a, yeah, a window there that was like all the other windows were dark because it's a dark building and this was the renovated section. And there was one that was just blacker than black, like like black paint or black like oil on it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not, it wasn't just dark like the other windows. It was dark that drew your eye, you know. And we were standing there staring at it. And I said, that looks really weird, hey, to, to the guys who were with me. And my friend who was next to me didn't say anything. I looked over and he was just standing, staring off up up a gentle hill up behind the house. And uh, standing right up at the top of it, there was this very black figure of a man just, just standing there watching us. And my friend was just standing, staring at him like slack jaw. And I said, Paul, what are you doing, man? Like, And, and he, it was like he couldn't hear me. He was just standing there staring for, I don't know, 10 seconds. Might have been a bit shorter, but it felt like a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I've I've grabbed him and shook his arm, and he's gone. What? You know what? What? What's going on? And the guy was gone. The, the the figure on the hill was gone. There was nowhere he could have gone because it was an open, grassy slope. There was nowhere. It's he's just gone. So then we're thinking, okay, this is a little bit strange. And so we start walking along, trying to go back down the driveway, back towards where the cars were. Then yeah, there's this tower that I was saying about that was part of the the renovation process which had been partially repaired, partially not. I had some windows right up on the top floor, like a, I don't know, like opened outwards, like, I guess, uh, onto a small balcony at the very top of this thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these, these windows just swung open, like somebody had pushed them open. And there was that same black, blacker than black inside the window. And it was such strange timing because it was like, as we came around the corner and I looked up at the thing and as I looked up there, these windows had just swung open. And there's that same blackness that was behind the, the window in the other house. Um, and at that point, we, we kind of got freaked out and took off running. And it was getting quite dark at this point, like getting towards, towards dark anyway. As we were moving down towards the cars, um, I spoke to one of my friends within the last few weeks about this in, in preparation to ask him what his memories of this were. And we both had very similar memories of this part, which is as we were moving down towards where we had our cars, it seemed like fog had come up or, or smoke that was kind of low hanging to about your waist, you know, mm-hmm. just low to the ground. And then um, as we were running, both of us saw what looked like a little girl running along next to us, oh. maybe 10, 10 feet off. And she was disturbing. You could see the fog moving. And as I looked over and then she was gone, and then we got to the gates. We climbed over the gates. We jumped in our cars. And I've never returned. I don't even drive past that place. Huh. I, I, it, my hairs stand on end. They're, they're all standing on end right now. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I can't even go past that place because it just creeps me out too much, you know. 
and I, I spoke to my friend yeah a few weeks ago and he said yeah I remember, he says yeah, I remember the little girl do you remember the little girl and I'm like yeah man and you know then when we did the research into the place and there was apparently this huge bushfire um, and, I, and I tried to do some research find out if people died in the fire but there's no I couldn't find anything and strangely enough there's no other records of anybody else I've, I've not heard anybody else have any anything happen to them out there or anything strange in that particular place which yeah seemed strange to me because there was definitely definitely something uh very strange happened that night the figure you saw on the on the hill did, yeah did you see that and your friend we both saw that yeah were yeah. there any details I, at all or was it just a black silhouette or something? Uh, it looked it was a it was just a black outline but in my memory you know when somebody's aggressive and angry how they, they stand with a particular energy you know uh, yeah. pants on hips maybe or yeah, it, it had a. It looked like someone standing who was not happy, but that was, it was purely just a black shape. Mm-hmm. There was no details at all, um, other than it was a human. It felt like a man, but I, I couldn't see any details. And it was right. a full-grown man, so it was a different thing from what from the little girl that we saw. Right. Yeah. That was, that was uh, my next question. Roughly, you know, grown man-sized, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a a, a normal sort of size man, six foot tall man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little girl was not dark. She just looked like a little girl, but I guess washed out. And, and, and you know, you see it out of the corner of your eye. And then as you look, it sort of faded out and you could see the, and that was the strange part, this fog. We got back to the car. There was no fog. Hmm. Yeah. There was no smoke. There was, there was nothing. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it yeah, was a very strange night. Did you notice any details of the little girl, like clothes or anything, or just basically saw it? I mean, you know, uh, you're trying in to my memory, short hair. She had short hair mm-hmm. and a, a little short kind of like a, I don't know. It looked, I guess the, the, the clothes looked out of what I could see from the corner of my eye. Not like something you would see somebody wearing nowadays, maybe. It like fairly like a smock, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really plain, just a glorified sack, basically. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like no, yeah. nothing, nothing yeah. that I could put my finger on. And, you know, this is all 25, 25 years ago now. So, but I do, I do remember, yeah, short hair. And she would have been maybe uh, four foot high, I guess, mm-hmm. up to up to my yeah, armpit sort of thing, you know, like short. But yeah, that was that was a strange experience. As I say, I, I don't even drive down that road because I don't want to drive past this place, and that's twenty five years later. So wow, did they ever reopen it and like finish the work they were doing? Yeah, yeah, I uh, was looking at it uh, again in, in um, preparation for talking to you. I went and looked at Google Maps and I looked up the. Had a look at the site. It looks like they've uh, fully renovated it, and it's yeah. So that's that's what I find strange is that I've I've then I've gone and I've done the, the Google thing, and I, I can't find any particular anybody else who's had anything particularly strange happen to them there. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know seems seems sort of odd to me with 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 a place that to me seems so obviously there was something going on there, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be that people you know a lot of times it's hard to get people to talk about this stuff. Uh, a lot of people don't want to talk about this stuff, or it could be, just be the yeah. the right combination of people was there that day. I don't know. You know, the, the energy. I, I had wondered if it wasn't that the, the you know as the renovations were happening, right? Perhaps that stirring something up. Certainly, but yeah. then what, once they were finished, and you've had so many thousands of people go through there as tourists now, that maybe it's kind of well, whatever it was, was it was irritated if these things get irritated, you know, w- was angry at the at the activity there, mm-hmm. at the renovations, at things being disturbed. But then once the job was finished, perhaps it's not an issue anymore. But yeah, but yeah, 
So that that was uh, one of the uh, ill-fated um, attempts at paranormal investigations. <laughs> the other one was is is similar. Uh, it's was at another site we went to, honestly, just to go and wander around. We were, you know, young guys just bored looking for something to do, you know. And, and uh, we went to a place that's a reservoir on the edge of the city with, I don't know, maybe 100 acres of pine around it. And, yeah, we, we went out there one night and we were, we were just wandering around out there. And, and it was a full moon. And I was with the same guys that I went with to the, uh, the other place with, to the Marble Hill ruin. Yeah, we were walking around out there this, this night. It was a really bright night, I remember. The, the moon was super bright and we, we came out into this uh, clearing and you know, when you get those fairy rings of like mushrooms, they're yeah. all growing in a big ring. Oh yeah. yeah. There's one of those in a clearing with this just bright moonlight blasting down into this clearing. As, as I got to the edge of it, it's just, I don't know. I, I thought I should just walk around, you know, not cut through this. And uh, my friend who's a pretty headstrong guy, he just walked straight through and he kicked the mushrooms over and stomped straight through the middle of the clearing. <laughs> At that point, we saw a, 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 a this. I'm not saying it's the same dark figure, but it, it was had such a similar feel to it. Where we, I looked up a gentle slope to maybe 50 feet away, and there was a this black figure standing there. And again, it was that blacker than black, mm-hmm. oily looking, and and it moved like oil, not like like it it oozed. You know, it didn't walk. It just sort of shifted and moved. And we all saw it. And I, I was, I went, Jesus, you see that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. We, uh, at this point, I wasn't sure who or what it was. So, you know, I've, I've got my hunting knife with me. I, I pull that out. We're going, because maybe it could be a guy, you know, somebody, I don't know. But you get scared, you pull your knife out, you know. And, and uh, But at that point, this thing just stopped, took a step or two, moved sideways to where there was one of these pine trees and just kind of, all of a sudden, there was just a pine tree there hmm. with where its arms had been. There's a couple of branches sticking out. Now, I know this sounds like, oh, well, yeah, it was just the tree all along. But this was not a tree all along. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, was a, this was something that could um, make you think that it, it was a tree, could, could um, sort of disguise itself in plain sight. Yeah, yeah or, or use the environment to its advantage somehow. Yeah, because we, we then we, we went around and slightly up the slope and you could see there was nothing there. But previously to, to this thing stepping towards this tree, it was just a, a straight pine. As we perceived it and we saw it, and we don't know how long it had been standing there watching us. Yeah, it just stepped, sort of oozed sideways, lifted its arms out, and then it was just gone and there's just a tree there now. Huh. And yeah, again, we, we sort of went, you know, yeah, good time to, to get the hell out of here because... It was a pretty strange experience, and, yeah. and uh, the whole night had a, had a, a feeling of, of sort of unreality to it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, like not like a almost like a dream, but we were all there, and we all we all remember it. And we've talked about it since, and but the whole night had a strange feel. Yeah, I wouldn't kind. recommend uh, kicking over the uh, the mushrooms in the fairy circle. Yeah, like that. yeah, he, he's one of my favorite people, but yeah, that night I wasn't too happy because I, I think <laughs> I think what. I think he stirred something up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could be. I mean, who knows? But it, you know, certainly feels like they're related. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, what struck me about it is that all of these, these, both of these things happened fairly close in in time to each other. That similar, that that black figure, that black oily looking sort of 
well, a figure that's it doesn't just look like it's dark because it's dark. It's blacker than black. Mm-hmm. And the fact that yeah, the, these all happened around the same time in in not the same area, but within you know in the same uh, general neck of the woods. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At that point, we were doing, as I said, quite a bit of this mucking around with the remote viewing and trying to do, um, well, the ghost hunting and that kind of thing. But at that, that point, I kind of abandoned the topic out of fear, to be honest. There's just too many strange things happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was getting, you know, strange things happening in my house, which didn't used to happen. Some sleep paralysis with some fairly, fairly unpleasant sort of imagery associated with it. And, and I kind of felt like I was inviting a lot of this into my life. So I really kind of walked away from the topic for mm-hmm. many years and uh, really only got back into it when I I uh, discovered your podcast and a few others that sort of reignited my interest in the topic. But for many years, I didn't talk about any of this because it, it, it actually, I don't know, I kind of would get anxious and I'd, like, I like I shouldn't be talking about it. I don't know. No, I like understand. A, yeah. So yeah, it's really only been last last few years I really uh, have probably gotten interested in the topic again. But for many years, I just kind of rejected it, um, didn't want anything to do with it. So more recently, as I say, I, I abandoned the topic for many years. But more recently, there's been um, a few things. I should mention as well. I I, um, I did have a an interesting time. Uh, what's it called? Like a time. Well, you lose you lose some time, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where uh, me and my partner were driving interstate across a place uh, called uh, the Hay Plain. Uh, we were driving past a place called Devil's Gate Station or Hell's Gate, Hell's Gate Station. Interesting. It's a, a large, uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was an interesting place. Just dead flat, saltbush country. Yeah, just for cattle and sheep grazing and, and whatnot. But yeah, we we, dro- we stopped at the gates, we, as everyone does, at Hell's Gate Station and takes a photo of themselves next to it, you know. And then uh, continued on our way. But we lost probably about an hour, an hour and a half on that trip where we, we left one town and we should have been getting to the next town at like 8.30 and we didn't get there till like 10 hmm. at night. And we were driving them pretty much the whole time at, you know, 100 k's an hour. And uh, we, you know how long it's going to take you because it's, it, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so we, we lost a good hour and a half and 
have no memories of anything strange happening that day. But huh. uh, yeah, that was again just just from that point of view of just the the odd uh, the odd name of the place, and then to lose time there, it just seemed a little little strange. Yeah, did you ever uh, look into why it's called that? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of places in Australia, uh, the, the crappier places, to be honest, with names like, you know, Mount Misery and uh, Hell's Gate <laughs> and Mount Trepidation. Um, so, yeah, I think just we're, we're very literal people, you know. If, if a place sucks, we just call it something. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, I'm just uh, wondering is because I think it was uh, Franzoni, a Bigfoot researcher over here, I think he was the first guy to start pointing out that these places with devil and hell names have uh, a disproportionate amount of supernatural activity that go along with them. And uh, I found it to be true here. I just wonder if it's, if it's true elsewhere as well. That's a really good point. I think I might've heard uh, maybe an interview with, with, with on something, something about that on either your show or another one. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I guess because when this happened was what was during that period when I re- kind of rejected the topic. Um, so when it happened, I didn't really, give it as much thought maybe as I would now and didn't really do the research, but no, it'd be interesting to look into if there's, if there's uh, other, um, other people have had interesting things happen out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I had now. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you that we were doing the uh, remote viewing and uh, some experiments of that kind. That was many years ago. One of the things that, that the reason we, we did some of this stuff was that uh, I very often able to see, uh, or is around people's shoulders and around the crowns of their heads mm-hmm. uh, to the point if, if somebody has an idea, I can see the sort of flare, you know, if, if something occurs to them or if somebody's got a headache, I can kind of see like, like it leaks out the side, like oh, a cool. little arc sort of leaks out. For, if yeah. Um, and that, that as I rejected the topic and as I've moved on with my life happens a lot less. Um, it used to be all the time and now it's only if I concentrate. Mm-hmm. That got us, uh, when, when we, we were younger, we, we sort of were doing these uh, remote viewing experiments. And one of the other ones that we did, I'd noticed that when I would get really agitated, I'd get this cold air start moving around my hands. And so one night I tried to cup my hands around each other about maybe the width, a little smaller than a basketball, you know, mm-hmm. and just see if I could make the whole area cold with this this feeling out of my hands, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it it works. I've shown dozens of people this. Wow! You, I, I can hand, hold my hands about maybe eight inches apart with my fingers spread, and it creates this sort of cold, roiling air, this sort of cold and damp. And I get rid of it by clapping my hands afterwards, like like that, and it it dissipates. Wow! And um, it's something I discovered by accident. And then because we were, we were doing experiments in this stuff, I kind of tried to see how far I could push it, you know? It got to a point where, yeah, we, I could, in a matter of moments, I can, I, can, I can do it now. I'm doing it right now. Huh. Uh, it just happens when I think about it, you know? And that was, again, my, one of the reasons I, I kind of rejected this stuff is that I, I thought, you know, we burned all the people who, who, know, who know about this stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or they got driven underground. And there's nobody, there was, I felt like there's nobody to learn from. I don't know what I'm doing here. And this could be dangerous. With all the other things that were happening in my life at the time, the strange lights, the weird figures, the temperature changes in rooms, that all the weird stuff, 
and with this happening as well, yeah, I, I was I was frightened. I, I hate to admit, and I, I completely pulled back from it and walked away from it just because I felt like there was no way to know what I was really doing and what I was messing with, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't really like talking about that because it makes me sound like a lunatic, you know? It's, yeah, it's, I, I get it. I get it. If I were there <laughs> and you did that, I could put my hand in between your hands and I would feel a temperature change. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Or something. It feels cold. It feels cold and like cold, damp air. Hmm. Wow. Um, and it's got a thickness to it. I it's it's I used to do it as a party trick on occasion for when we we maybe have a few drinks or a smoke you know and say hey check this out <laughs> I do it but but you know that that kind of scared me too because I'm thinking oh I don't know what I'm doing here yeah this could be bad this could be taxing me in some way or it could be maybe inviting inviting uh, attention that I don't really want right yeah yeah so oh, so I kind of walked away from it but yeah. But yeah, it's it's a strange thing. It, it's 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 like a and and if I stretch my hands out, I can kind of stretch it out a little bigger, and then I can compact it down, and it tightens up and gets colder. Hmm. I wish I could show you it, <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, I could just be some crazy guy, you know. That kind of stuff was happening around the same time. That sort of late teens, mid teens to to twenty one, I guess, was when almost all of this stuff happened. When the the cold areas and the stuff like that, that. As I say, that still happens if I think about it, but I kind of try not to think about it because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, apart from that, uh, the most recent things, uh, probably within the last year or so, once I, I got reinterested in this topic, I've had a couple of fairly intense sleep paralysis experiences, which I hadn't had for probably 20 years. Yeah. What age say you are? I'm 45 now. 45? Yeah. Uh, that's, that, they tend to fall off. I mean, according to the book I read, they tend to fall off in your late mid-30s, I guess. But I, I still yeah. had a couple incidences of it afterwards and, and still do here and there, just nowhere like I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it seems to sort of uh, probably coincided with, with myself pulling away from this topic. Uh, I had a lot less of it. And, and yeah, I, I uh, probably it would be many, many, many years before I had this this one uh, quite recently, um, which was quite kind of horrific, to be honest. Just I woke up lying on my side, uh, my side sleeper. So, you know, I open up my eyes and I look over there and I can looking straight at the waist of somebody standing right next to my bed. Oh, wow. Like right next to the mattress, like right there. I uh, couldn't move, couldn't, you know, as, you, as in these situations. Eventually, I managed to move my eyes and I looked up and whatever this figure was, its face just looked like, like uh, have you ever seen like a close-up of a large spider? Mm-hmm. Like it's multiple eyes and uh, they're sort of hairy with fangs and stuff, you know, yeah. mandibles and stuff. Yeah. So this thing had this face like that oh. and that freaked the hell out of me. Oh, yeah, I can imagine um, so, yeah. I couldn't move, obviously, but I eventually I managed to move a finger and then my hand and then as happens with these things, everything went back to normal. I woke up, there's nothing in my room, but then, of course, I lay down and went back to sleep immediately, Yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. as always happens with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, did was there a point of waking up or did paralysis just stopped the paralysis stopped i could feel that I, I i managed to move a finger and then my hand and then i i was trying to punch it but i mean all i managed was to move a finger you know yeah um yeah. as the paralysis went the figure was gone and i i was able to move right so i don't know i mean this could well just be a dream yeah well, i mean it's the sleep paralysis is so weird like there's such a weird element to it and, and i'm not to speak for you you can tell me if i'm wrong but often people there's not really a waking up period. There's just the thing is there and then it's not there. 
you know yeah you, definitely you, yeah you can't move and then you can move you know where you, you you know it was so a matter of I, could, I couldn't move then i could move an eye mm -hmm. and then i could see what was next to me and then i really wanted to move then yeah as soon as i regained control of my body it wasn't like waking up now it was like the figure was gone and i could move and i sort of moved, i looked around the room there's nothing there and then i just lay down and went back to sleep yeah um almost immediately and yeah but so that was i mean it's it's not anything particularly you know it's not that interesting but i, I guess it's a more recent thing that's happened to me yeah no i uh, mean anytime someone sees an entity out of sleep paralysis it's pretty interesting to me so did this thing have a normal you know human two arms two legs kind of yeah build? yeah it was a normal human shape with mm -hmm. with like um and i'm not sure it, it looked dark dark brown dark colored uh, but I, I couldn't see. The room was quite dark. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, I could see its face. See, I would be less disturbed at a giant spider than a humanoid figure with a spider face, I think. That's just yeah. very disturbing. It was pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah. But as I say, it, it's, you know, these things could could easily be dreams. It's it's uh, Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, probably the only other thing is a, is a, is a recent one. And, and again, this is one of those things that it could just be a... a, a a strange coincidence or a strange evening, you know? Um, but yeah, I was, uh, my wife was away, uh, at a dairy industry conference. And so I was here by myself. We manage a, a dairy farm on a 6,000 acre grazing property. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's no neighbors. There's no, you know, it's a kilometer long road to get to our house from the road, like wow. a, a driveway. So it's, it's not a, it's not somewhere where there's a, a, a lot of passing traffic and there's no neighbors. Um, I was sitting in my lounge room. It would have been quite late at night, maybe 11. We have many dogs. We have five dogs at the time, and anybody comes within a couple of hundred meters of the house, they're, they're going berserk, they're barking and making all sorts of noise, and they sleep outside in cages next to the driveway there. So I'm sitting in the lounge room, and then there's all these lights out the front, like somebody's got spotlights. So I put down my beer, I get up, I walk out to the back door, and there's a guy there in a, in a, a truck, like a utility truck, um, with the spotlights on the top. He's a pretty rough looking guy. He comes up, doesn't shake my hand, just says, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do some uh, shooting and uh, some, some shooting some rabbits. Can I, can I come onto the farm and, and do some shooting? And I said, look, it's not my property. I, I'm a manager. I'm not an owner. I can't give you permission to come onto the property. The guy then says, well, I know the, I know the, the owner and I used to come out here and shoot. So is it okay if I come, come on the property and shoot? And I said, look, if you know the owner, you can go and ask him yourself. If you know Malcolm, bring him. He'll give you permission if he wants. If not, yeah, but I can't give you permission. Mm -hmm. So he was really insistent. And eventually I, I just said, look, I can't help you. I'm, I'm getting back to my evening. See you later. I went back inside. And after I sat down and I realized, why didn't my dogs bark at this guy? There wasn't a noise from my dogs. I didn't hear a sound from the dogs. And they would normally, anybody comes on my property, they're going berserk. This guy's pulled up out the front. I didn't hear him coming down the driveway either. Like, it was just like, and normally, if, if there's somebody comes onto our driveway, it's a, it's a dirt track. Any truck rattles, you can hear it coming. Mm -hmm. So there was no sound. It was just suddenly there's lights out the front and a guy really insistent that I give him permission to come onto the property. Hmm. And a guy who the dogs didn't seem to notice that he existed. Yeah. And I, none of this struck me until after I went back inside and sat down and I thought, hey, hang Hang on. <laughs> and yeah, I went and checked on the dogs. They were all fine. They were just in the kennels doing their normal thing. Yeah, it struck me as pretty strange. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't wearing flannel, was he? 
<laughs> no, I, I can't remember what he was wearing. To be honest, <laughs> um, he, he just looked like a very like a, a, a redneck a redneck shooter. You know, he just just yeah. a, a normal guy. Um, yeah, uh, short, very lined, kind of dirty. Um, that's all I really remember about him. But but no, I, I don't think I think there was no flannel. But I, I do get what you where you go. <laughs> Wow. So, but, yes, uh, I think the permission thing is uh, is an odd detail too. Like he he just very insistent about asking for permission beyond the land. It was at least at least two or three times he he tried to get around to get around me on the permission. Oh, but but oh, you know, he, he had all these excuses. Oh, but I used to the, the old share farmer who worked here used to let me, and I'm like, well, that that's cool. I'm the new share farmer. I can't give you permission. You have to talk to. And he, then he's oh, but I know the owner. It's like, we'll go talk to the owner. Yeah, yeah. But, but he was very insistent. And again, it didn't strike me as weird that the dogs hadn't barked until I came inside. And to be honest, the permission thing didn't strike me as weird until years, well, sometime later when I was listening to a, a podcast. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was your show or, or another another show, but talking about the, well, the permission thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, there being rules with these things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, to me, that's, yeah, I'm I'm kind of getting a little chills from that just because how insistent he was for you know like no give me permission give me permission like and well I think he did the right thing I mean it, yeah I, I really think I did man whether it was, uh, a, dude, was... A, a human dude or or something other I think you did the right thing you know yeah yeah uh, I mean regardless it's uh, it's yeah seemed to be the right choice but yeah as I said years years later having having gotten back into the topic and and realizing that connection between some of the older mythologies and, and uh, well, permission and, well, the vampire mythology, the fae, mm-hmm. that stuff where permissions and rules and that sort of thing are so important. Oh, yeah. um, it's it, uh, kind of a lot of these things, I guess, over time and over the last few years of, of getting back into the topic and looking over my own experiences through my life and I guess kind of seeing, well, hang on, I saw every one of these things as an individual, isolated and probably different event. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess as I've re-educated myself on the topic and gotten back into it, I'm kind of thinking there's more crossover with some of these things than I'd originally yeah. thought when I was younger. Yeah, absolutely. That- I, that's the natural way through this stuff, I think. I think everybody mm-hmm. starts out that way. It's all unrelated. Yeah. And then after a while, you sort of, well, it certainly seems to be related. And then yeah. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where it's like, I really can't see it as separate anymore. Yeah. More and more, I feel like it's 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 the same, you know, the same thing that, it, that this is maybe one phenomenon that manifests differently depending on uh, your cultural background, your your own personal psychology, uh, what you're expecting to see. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these things are, if not the same, they're they're in the same ballpark. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, a lot of it, yeah, comes down to your your expectations of what what you expect to see, perhaps, or what culturally is normal for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. you're only the maybe the you're maybe the first or the second Australian that's been on Strange Familiars. So right. I would be uh, failing to ask this. And this might be a very kind of goofy question, but did you ever hear anybody that had any Yowie stories there? Uh, yeah, but the guy was uh, uh, he's dead now, so I can I can be a little more honest than I would, but. He, he took a hell of a lot of magic mushrooms when uh-huh. I was young. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I would trust his, uh, his perceptions, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to be honest. But, yeah, he had a few, a few stories that I, um, 
uh, to be honest, I didn't take too seriously because he was yeah. he was kind of kind of out there, you know. Yeah, is uh, it something that yeah, gets I, like so culturally Bigfoot is huge here? Is it something? Yeah. Is it similar there? Does it does the Yowie get you sort of have that cultural? Look, I get, there are people who are into it, but uh, it's probably probably the more the more common cryptid thing that you would hear here are the um, the, the big cats. Ah, okay. Uh, that's that's a pretty common one in South Australia and in Victoria. And there's always the mythology that goes with it. You know, a, a U.S. Uh, Army Marines unit that was stationed here in World War II and they had a, a, a what do you call it, like a, a unit uh, or regimental cat that was like their standard, you know, mm-hmm. and that escaped from, escaped from captive. There's always some bull****, you know. Um, <laughs> there, there are no big cats here, man, but people see them all the time. So, right. um, yeah, uh, but that's probably the more common one. Yeah, the Yowie thing, I think, is there's a few people into it, but I've, I've not really given it much much attention. And, you know, South Australia is probably the most heavily cleared area of, of vegetation in the in the country. So there's there's not a whole lot of space out here for for things to hide. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Tasmania, maybe. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of forest there, a lot of very rough country. But, um, yeah, it's not something that people really are that big into. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of you hear about you know UFO sightings and and uh, ghosts and things like that, but it's, mm-hmm. it, I guess it's made culturally not such a thing here either. All right, so I have to ask you the pancake question. On the morning of April eighteenth, nineteen sixty one, Joe Simonton saw a silver disc on his farm. He went out, investigated, and actually stepped aboard the craft. He encountered three dark skinned humanoids who handed him an empty jug. Joe filled it with water and brought it back to them. In return, they gave him some pancakes. Would you eat the pancakes? Hell no, absolutely not. <laughs> I wouldn't have stepped on the on the on the craft in the first place. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there you let's go. say I did. There's no way. No yeah. way. Yeah, I, I like. It was a couple guests ago who said uh, she would just invite them back to her place for pancake. You want pancakes? Come on, I'll make you pancakes. I like that answer best. I think <laughs> that's a great answer. Yeah, 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 I like that. All right, Duncan. Thanks for sharing your stories. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. If you like strange familiars and you'd like to support us and help us make the show you can become a patron at patreon it's patreon.com slash strange familiars all of our patrons get commercial free versions of the weekly shows plus full extra episodes every month we promise at least one sometimes we do more than one those are full episodes of strange familiars to see all the different tiers of support you can go to patreon.com slash strange familiars There's also an option on Apple Podcasts. It's called Patron of the Strange. I'd like to thank all the patrons wherever you're signed up for helping us with the show. Couldn't do it without you. All right, so I dug up some articles about some ghosts in black. Just a few little articles. And I only looked in Pennsylvania, just because I had to narrow the search somehow. Yeah. Though searches in Pennsylvania will turn up articles in Pennsylvania newspapers, but they could be from From other places, yeah. yeah. So there's an article from Indiana in there, I think. Yep. These are ghosts in black. Okay, the first one is from Newcastle, Indiana. 
but it appeared in the Bucks County Gazette in Bristol, Pennsylvania. That's near Philadelphia. And it's called Newcastle's Black Ghost. What year? 1890. Newcastle's Black Ghost. The east end of Newcastle is all torn up over the appearance of a ghost, which has been seen strolling about the schoolhouse grounds for several nights recently. The mysterious stranger has not had the boldness to speak to anyone as of yet, but on the contrary seems shy, yet the small boys in that vicinity, who have to run errands after dark, have begun to consider life a dismal failure, and threaten to run off with the first circus or train bear that comes along. His, her, or its ghost ship, as the case may be, is remarkable in being coal-black in color, instead of the conventional white. The only other mark of recognition it bears is a huge dagger, sunk to the hilt in its bosom, and a stream of fiery blood issuing from the wound. The town council may draft about 100 brave men to capture the mystery. Now it's like the casual way. It's like, well, the only other mark is that there's a huge dagger and yeah, I mean, streams blood from the wound. <laughs> a striking visual, though. Yeah, like this like sort of like ghostly black apparition with, with, a, with a dagger. Dagger and a, and a like bright blood coming out of it. It's very Shakespearean. It reminds me of just the dagger part over at Chickie's Rock in the, I think it was in the 50s. People were seeing this huge apparition. It was like wrapped up like a mummy. Mm-hmm. And it had daggers coming out of its head. But and more was, than one person saw the same thing like I that? Think, yeah, I think so. Like, And it was about like 12 feet tall or something. It was really weird. And then years later, there was a, a newspaper article I found. Mm-hmm. So this was in like one of the ghost story books from Lancaster County. And mm-hmm. this was like they were talking to a woman who said you know, this was back in whatever. It might have been in the early 60s or something. But then in the late 60s, there was this like ghost mania kind of thing happened at Chickie's Rock. And people were going up there every night to, to see stuff. And it was actually like getting so bad that the cops were directing traffic and stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, no internet back then. No not a lot of TV. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in our area, people would ride the circuit. They'd just ride around in a particular circle around the, in their city. <laughs> but one of the kids that went up there, like a teenage boy, and this is years later, reported seeing a giant thing with things coming out of its head there. Like, it's really just odd, like how it just matched up, you know, yeah. years later. That's all in Beyond the Seventh Gate. It's been a while since I looked over those sightings, but interesting. All right, what do we have next? Uh, this is from 1900, so just 10 years later, from the Potter Enterprise, which I assume is from Potter County? One would think, yeah. That's God's country, if I know my Pennsylvania lore correctly. So this is entitled Catching Ghosts, Spooks of Different Colors and Varying Degrees of Intangibility. The hundreds of ghosts being annually brought to light in the dragnets of scientific spook catchers conform to no general rules as to the appearance or behavior. Ghostland must, in truth, be a realm of spicy variety and absolute independence. Spicy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A well-known psychic researcher has lately given the writer access to his voluminous records of a thousand or more of the most vivid phantoms experienced here and abroad within the past ten years. Among their number are the most respectable, and best-authenticated shades haunting our sphere during this fan decade. Gray rather than black or white appears to be the prevailing color worn by these latter-day ghosts, says the Washington Star. Two houses, one in England and the other in Ireland, are persistently haunted by what are called gray ladies. The Irish spook of this category recently stood in front of a bust of Shakespeare, hidden by her form. 
A pair of shoes thrown at her opaque substance penetrated it completely and crashed against the marble bust. A third gray ghost haunting the ancient dormitory of an English college is, on the other hand, transparent, and the panels of windows can be seen through its form. A fourth gray ghost appears as a shadow, singularly distinct and showing all of the lines and features of a human being. Still another spook, that of Colonel Avmeander, seen in St. Petersburg, is a gray shadow. In fact, there are too many gray ghosts for enumeration. The sheeted dead appear to be in a small minority nowadays. Even black ghosts seem to outnumber them. The black shade of an ancient clergyman often seen in daylight upon an English country road sometimes wears a white film of vapor enveloping his sable raiment. The phantom of another clergyman seen in church is described as a black clear mist with the outline of a man. That of a little old woman in brown has long haunted the front yard of a certain cottage, while that of an old lady in green bothers a minister of the gospel. Many ghosts are peculiarly luminous. One is especially so when the moon shines on it. Blue lights have been often seen after dark along the country haunts of a daylight ghost of black hue. Blue light surrounded also the ghost of a dead parent who came to inform his daughter that she had lost a favorite aunt. The spook of a dead friend appearing to another woman illuminated her apartment at night until it was bright as day. Modern specters differ quite as widely as their substance. Many are vaporous and intangible. Others can be distinctly felt, and some are so heavy that they can weigh their victims down. Others are so filmy that objects can pass through them. That of an old woman is of a semi-transparent ethereal nature. It is passed in a narrow passage without being felt as it brushes by. A woman who saw the spook of a man sitting in a chair attempted to sit in its lap, but she penetrated it completely, and the specter of a friend haunting a gentleman while the latter was driving home alone in his gig caused his dark shadow to envelop him as it bent over him one evening. Then again, there are some phantoms which take forms other than human. A misty pillar frequents a lane in one locality. Fishermen in another place look for the body of a drowned companion that they saw in woods near by a sort of cloud, whence issued a voice directing them to a spot where they afterward found the corpse. Another ghost, taking the shape of a bright ball of light, palish blue, was seen by a woman when she entered her bedroom in the darkness. Hanging between her and the ceiling, it emitted no rays, and the remainder of the room was dark. As she left the room, it remained, but when she returned, it was gone. Haunted people experience various sensations while touching ghosts. The rough clothing of an invisible spook is felt to brush against the skin of one young woman, and another specter had an icy hand when grasped by a terrified woman. One woman on going upstairs at night saw a tall man directly in front of her. Recognizing him as a dear friend, she reached out to touch him, but her hand simply penetrated space. Later she received word from India that the friend had died on the very date of the experience, and another woman who seized a ghost in her room says that it felt sort of like flimsy drapery, and it seemed to be dragged from her by some invisible power as it sank into the floor by her bedside. One ghost is accompanied by a wave of cold air which chills those who draw near it, and another is apparently warm, and on very hot nights he is seen to mop his face with a handkerchief. A spook which lay down by a friend in bed placed its frozen lips against her cheek. That some phantoms have appreciable weight is perhaps indicated by the case of a certain woman visited by the shades of two dead friends. They appeared behind her while she was seated at her tea table, and leaning upon her shoulders rendered her immovable. She was unaware of what had happened until her daughter across the table cried out and gave the names of the intruders. The majority of ghosts simply vanish like breath into the wind. Others make their exits through bolted doors, slamming them loudly. Many of these doors are seen to open, but later prove to be securely locked on the inside. 
Numerous spooks have a habit of vanishing as soon as spoken to. One which haunts a lonely roadway fades away in broad daylight and in the presence of several witnesses closing upon it from in front and behind. I wish they would give more locations, more details of these cases. I, I believe they're talking about, you know, things that this person has read about or, or, or something, you know. But. Yeah, they're just sort of cherry-picking the color part of it, and then all yeah. the context is entirely gone, and that's the interesting yeah, part. Yes, oh, we could, we, we could do stories about each one of those. A rainbow of ghosts. All right, we got one last article concerning uh, black ghost. This is from the Harrisburg Telegraph, but it concerns the black-robed ghost that haunts an Illinois town. This is from 1902, right? Heading into the Midwest. The good people of Bushnell, Illinois, have been much disturbed of late by a ghost which appears in the form of a woman. She usually presents herself to human view, robed in deepest mourning. Only once has she been seen in white, and then in what appeared to be material of a flowing texture. On all other occasions, she has shown herself in long black robes and a mourning veil over her face, She does not seem to confine herself to any particular place, but has been seen on different streets and at all hours of the night. She suddenly appears before the belated citizen in a noiseless manner, and as suddenly disappears. On two or three occasions, she has been given chase, and the frightened individuals declare it with only the fleetest running that they have been able to keep out of her way. And on one occasion, an attempt was made to capture the spirit, but after a chase of several squares, she suddenly disappeared from view and further chase was abandoned. Many stories are rife as to the true nature of the apparition. Many superstitious persons believe it to be the spirit of a woman who died recently after months of great suffering, and that her spirit has returned to harass the city. It has resulted in keeping a great many children off the streets after dark, and a few older ones too. Perhaps that story was concocted to do just that. Yeah, it's interesting though, because it does... If you remember the Spring Hill Jack series we did, mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels like some of those Spring Hill Jack articles, you know, like people were chasing it and it just, you know, they could see it, it was running from them and then it was just gone. It's yeah, and it reminds me of uh, the Long Black Veil song, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. She's sort of the queen of the proto-goth ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in mourning would specifically refer to at that time, like a, a long black dress and yeah, but but like we're already to 1902, so she's almost seems like a relic of another era. Yeah, yeah. When, when does Edwardian kick in? We're there. We've just started the Edwardian era. Mm, okay, well, I'm sure people still dressed in mourning. You know, yeah, yeah. Fashion yeah. didn't change that quick back then. You know, probably. no, and we still dress in black for yeah, you know, certainly in, but, in the Western but, world. Yeah, so um, yeah. Well, people would have been familiar enough with the term back then. You know, yeah, know. I, it seems sad to me that you'd have to do. Like I would think once you died, you'd have to you could stop warning other people. <laughs> like you'd be on a, a level playing field, right? But if you see some of these pictures as mourning gear, it can be very spooky looking. You know, it definitely has a a somber uh, appeal. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. yeah, it's very frightening. Yeah. So I'll dig in and I'll look up some more ghosts in black, and maybe we can turn up something. One of those things you were talking about almost sounded like a like a blacker than black kind of thing. One of those instances. Yeah, it did. Article, yeah, I mean the one with like the. The wound with the, yeah, like the, yeah. that kind of sounded like a, just like a spooky up, like you wouldn't even know it was necessarily a human form, except for the fact that it had a bleeding wound. And a, yeah, but I'll keep looking and maybe we can turn up some articles with uh, something that describes more like these blacker than black forms that people are, are talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you've spread yourself too thin, Allison. Why's that? With an antique store in Hanover, mm -hmm. inside Black Rose, and one in Columbia, inside State Theater Vintage Emporium. You've brought no curiosity of the week here. No, I didn't. <laughs> we'll let the curiosity build till next week. There you go. The truth is, we just didn't have time. We're doing this literally at the last minute. I've been editing all day. and it's... If you would know how close this is to the time you hear it, you can yeah. almost hear an exhale of breath, and it's the same one. That you... <laughs> yeah, we're very close, <laughs> very to, close to the time. So we will come back next week with a Curiosity of the Week. Until then, you can check out our Etsy shop. Our shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. Links to our Etsy shop are in the show notes. That's where you can find Strange Familiars t-shirts, stickers, mugs, patches. You can find my artwork there, copies of my books. If you get them from Etsy, they come signed. Allison has old photos up there. We have past curiosities of the week, those that haven't sold yet. They're all up there in our Etsy shop. If you purchase from us on Etsy, it also helps support the show. That's an Big help as well. Once again, our shop name is Lost Grave there. It's one word, but you can type in Strange Familiars. You can type in Lost Grave. You should, should see our stuff come up either way. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. For Strange Familiars merch, go to strangefamiliars.com slash merch. That's where you can find pictures of shirts and mugs and everything we have. You can click on them. It'll take you right to a place to purchase them. We're on Facebook where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering group there as well. We're on Instagram, at Strange Familiars, one word, no underscores. And you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 